They don't turn to a lot of Scripture, and so if you want to open up your Bibles to them or have them there in your notes, we can do, use either one of those tonight. But last week we started looking a little bit deeper into the Holy Spirit, and tonight we're going to go even deeper into the Holy Spirit and look at the work of the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do? And I hope that as we go through tonight, we're going to look at in the past what He has done, and we're going to look presently at what He is doing today, and a lot in between. So we have a lot to cover, and not a lot of time to do it. Well, where are we at on time? Oh, we're not too bad. we got plenty of time. Problem is, I say that, and then I run out of time. Um, one last announcement I wanted to give. this Not this week, but the following Sunday night. Sunday night, the 26th at 5 o'clock, we have our regularly scheduled choir practice. But we have Easter and Resurrection Sunday coming up. We are about two months away from it at this point. And so if you remember for Christmas, we had like a, a choir concert type thing. And so we're going to do the same thing for Easter and for Resurrection Sunday. So if there's anybody, maybe it doesn't work in your schedule to always sing in the choir but you want to join for this special time. You can come to that a week from Sunday, 5 o'clock, and we'll practice 5 o'clock. It's 5 to 5.40, somewhere in there. And if you come, we I would love to have this platform full of people. Wouldn't that be awesome? And so someday my goal is that someday you're all going to be the choir facing this way, and we have to, like, knock all the walls out, knock the house down, and then we're going to have all the new people out that way, and you're all going to be the choir facing out that way. How would that be? I don't know, but it sounds good anyway. So I don't know if it really sounds good, but um, if anybody wants to sing and be a part of that, come and join it. It'd be awesome to have five or six more than what we even had for Easter, I mean for Christmas. And some of you in this room, I know you can sing. And so don't make me call you out. And then some of you, you know you can't sing. So you can help fill it in. We just see the mic is here. We'll just have you like right here or something. So now you're going to think, oh, whoever's singing those spots, that's the no, that's not, well, maybe, I don't know. But we're just supposed to make a joyful noise to the Lord, right? So some of you that can sing, you should do it. And, I, and if you don't come, I might start, you know, calling out some names of people like Rebecca or... Paul, maybe? I think he can sing just a little bit. I think I hear something. I think he could do a great job. And uh, maybe a few others there. I won't use anyone else's names tonight. Juan, you can just stay home. You don't got to come. Don't worry about that, okay? <laughs> you what? Filler, filler. There we go. And that's the whole thing. We could just have a choir where we just play voices over the thing. Your mouth, that would work too. That'd be a fun, we should do that sometime, have all of our best singers in the churches up here to sing like a special, and then play it, and be, people would be amazed at it. But anyways, with all that going on, let's get into the Word of God. Number one, we're going to dive right into our notes. Number one tonight, as we look at the work of the Spirit, I want you to see the work of the Holy Spirit in the creation of the universe. Did you know He played a key part in creating this? The Bible tells us that we see letter A, the fact that he was co-active with the Father and the Son. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 1, in verse number 1 through 3, it says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, 
and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And look at verse 3. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. So we see, going back to creation, the fact that the Holy Spirit was here and played a part in it. Now, when we look at this whole thing, when we talk about creation, who technically created it all? Well, we know God did. We know that. Who's the creator? Jesus, right? And they all played a part. That's where you get to verse 26 of Genesis chapter number 1, where it says, uh, let us make man in our own image. It wasn't God and the angels talking back and forth. It was the Godhead. And there's many more verses I could show you, but for sake of time, I want you just to see the fact that the Spirit of God was there. We also see, and according to Psalm chapter 104, we see that he's currently, letter B, he's currently active in continual creative works in this world. Psalm 104, verse 29 and 30 says, Thou highest thy face, and they are troubled. Thou takest away their breath, they die and return to their dust. Thou sendest forth thy spirit. They are created, and thou renewest the face of the earth. Very interesting thought there. Interesting verse. But we see that the Spirit plays a key role in creation of the universe. Number two, we see the work of the Holy Spirit in the giving of the Scriptures. We've talked about this when we talked about the Bible. But I want to review it just a little bit tonight. But the Holy Spirit, yes, He played a key role in creation. He also played a key role in giving us the Scriptures. We think about this letter A, the fact that He is the divine author of them. The Bible makes that clear. In 2, Tim, 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21 says, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scriptures is in any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And we see the fact that the Holy Spirit moved them. He is the author of the Scriptures. I used the example before where I write with a pen, and I ask you, did I write this? And some of you, yes, you did. No, the pen did, because the pen's the instrument that I use to pen my words. And God used men to pen his words. They are inspired. They are God-breathed. They are authored by the Holy Spirit. And we think about the fact that John 16, verse 13 and 14 tells us, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he shall show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. And we see the Holy Spirit is the divine author of the Scriptures. We see letter B, that he is the divine interpreter of them. You see, if the Holy Spirit wrote them, it would make sense that he would be the best one to interpret them for us, right? The Bible tells us in Ephesians 1, verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The Bible tells us in 1 John 2, verse 20 and verse 27, verse 20 says, But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. Verse 27 says, But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. 
it's very clear that's talking about the Holy Spirit, if you look at that real close. So we see the fact that he's the divine interpreter of the scriptures. So what does the Holy Spirit do? Well, in creation, he helped create everything, right? And he moved upon the face of the waters. We also see when it comes to the scriptures, what did the Holy Spirit do? He's the author of them, and he also helps us interpret them. You see, what's the big difference between a saved person and an unsaved person? There's no Holy Spirit in them, right? And their spirit's dead. There is no spirit living. And so that's an important thing to see. Now, when we look at that, we look at Jesus and his important for us to see the fact of what the Holy Spirit did in relation to the Son of God, number three tonight. Let's look at the work of the Holy Spirit in relation to Jesus. What part did the Holy Spirit play in Jesus' life while he was here? Well, there are several things. First of all, letter A, Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, right? You know, like we could look around and if it weren't for your mother and your father, you wouldn't be here tonight, right? And we know that God, did all, but without the Holy Spirit doing what he did, and you say, how did that work? I don't know, and I'm not going to be able to figure it out. I'll just trust the Bible on this one, but it's very important. And we look at what the Scripture says in Luke, 11, Luke 1, verse 35, And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And we see the fact that the Holy Spirit conceived, a human, conceived Jesus in Mary. You say, well, can, how does that all work? Didn't the Holy Spirit do that at the day of creation? And when God breathed life in the man? Just a little bit different, but it's the same sort of thing. We see the fact that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Ghost. We see letter B also, that he was anointed by the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us, and this is a sermon that was preached in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devils, for God was with him. We see, let her see the fact that Jesus was led by the Spirit. Now, I will tell you this tonight. If someone didn't really need the Spirit to lead him, it would have been Jesus, right? But Jesus was led by the Spirit. How much more do we need to be led by the Spirit of God? But we think about, and it's interesting, you look at Matthew chapter 4, verse number 1. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. The Spirit led him to that temptation there. And he was led by the Spirit. We also see letter D, the fact that Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible talks about these things. Luke chapter 1, verse, Luke 4, 1 says... And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. I think you see a key in the Christian life right there. Look at that verse real quick. You see how he was filled with the Spirit, and then he was led by the Spirit. I think that's how it's got to be in our lives. Because the spirit and the flesh, they war against one another, right? 
So if we are feeding the flesh, guess what's going to happen? The flesh is going to lead us. You cannot feed the flesh and let the Spirit lead you. That doesn't work that way. So you must be filled with the Spirit of God and let the Spirit of God be, and then he'll lead you. You see how that works there together? And so we see the fact that he was filled with the Spirit and how we need that. Verse 14 of that same chapter, it says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him throughout all the regions round about. Verse 18 and 19 of the same chapter says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And we know that Jesus was quoting out of the book of Isaiah there. And so we, when we look at Christ, we see that he was conceived by the Holy Ghost, or the Holy Spirit. He was anointed by the Holy Spirit. He was led by the Spirit. He was filled with the Spirit. Letter E, Jesus sacrificed himself by the Holy Spirit. When we think about that, the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And you see there that he did it, his sacrifice was through the eternal Spirit. That's what the Scripture tells us. Think about this one, letter F. Jesus was raised from the dead by the Holy Spirit. Now you say, Jesus is God, so why did he need to be raised by the Spirit? That's a good question right there. It's a good question. I've got some thoughts on the question. I don't know if I have the right answer. And maybe someone in this room thinks they have the right answer. I wouldn't mind you coming and talking to me and giving me your opinion on it. I don't doesn't mean you're right doesn't mean that i'm not right either or we both could be thinking the same thing who knows but you got to remember there are some things that think about this jesus is god right he is god god died does god die did jesus die did he die yes he but jesus is god right so god doesn't die jesus died he had to die but he laid aside certain, a- certain aspects of himself. And he became obedient unto death in those things. And I think you look at the way it is. Jesus, yes, he was God and man together. But we see, you think about this, how are we going to be raised again? The same way Jesus was, right? By the Spirit of God. And so it plays a key part for all of us. And there's more I could say there, but I'm not going to get into all that. But look what the Bible says, Romans 1, verse number 4. And declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. Romans 8, verse number 11. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Jesus from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. You see that right there? And what an awesome verse. And the fact that we know that Jesus died and he rose again, that should bring great comfort to God's people that being saved tonight and the Spirit of God living inside of us, that when our time comes, he will raise us up. Because he raised Jesus up. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 3, verse number 18, For Christ also hath once suffered for sin, 
the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. Look at this. Being put to death in the flesh, but quickened, made alive by the Spirit. And we see how that works. And I believe, and as I didn't get completely into my answer a minute ago, but the fact that we as men, the only way we're going to be raised from the dead is through the Spirit of God. That's it. And so Jesus, being man and God, had to be raised by the Spirit just as well as we had to be. That's my take on that. And so we see, when it came to Jesus, the Holy Spirit played a key part in Jesus, didn't he? He really did. Well, what else does the Holy Spirit do? I want to park here for the rest of the night in how the work of the Spirit in relation to mankind. How does the Spirit of God work in our lives? How does the Spirit of God work today when we think about this and we look a little closer at it and you got to understand as we look at this and we're going to look at some things here when we witness to people and share our faith and that nature you need to realize it is the holy spirit of god that does the work i used to and my background you'd hear a lot of this that we're soul winners I don't love that phrase. I, I'm a soul warner. I warn people. That's what I do. The winner is the Holy Spirit. He does the winning. And, so, and I've, been, I've been through classes. Even, and even looking back, I look at some of the... And I think people were well-meaning. I really don't look at someone and say they were trying to do... but. Literally, I believe some of the classes I've had in the past literally taught me how to be a salesman with the gospel. I really do. And how to present it and how to smile as you do it and how to convince them to say, and literally how to convince them to pray with you. One thing to remind you of, do you know, I don't see a sinner's prayer found in the Bible. I know we like to use a sinner's prayer, and I'm not against a sinner's prayer. I'm not against praying and using a prayer. But you don't see that found in the Bible. You see the Spirit of God convicting men, and we warn them, give them the Scriptures, and the Holy Spirit does the work. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't be out there warning. We should be out there warning all the time. We'll talk more about this in a few minutes. But as we look at this tonight... We must depend upon the Spirit of God in what we do. And we'll talk about this as we go through these points. We see, as we talk about in relation to mankind tonight in general, we see, first of all, letter A, that he strives with man. The Bible tells us in Genesis 6, verse number 3, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he is all, for he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. And you've got to understand something. The Lord, him, him striving with man, Him doing His work, it's not our pleadings that will turn men to Christ, but it's his, and it's not always going to be that way. There's going to come a day where that ends, but He strives with men. Letter B, the Holy Spirit, He restrains evil. Silence very. You look at our world and how evil it is today, but you look at what the Bible says in Second. Thessalonians 2, verse number 7. For the mystery of, inith, of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Now there are, this verse, this verse is loaded. Because there are a lot of people that will say, 
and we look in the end times that the Holy Spirit is nowhere to be found because he's moved out of the way. If he's, what I think this means is his restraint is let go and everything can just happen. The fact is, if there are people getting saved during the tribulation time, which there will be, not the way your Left Behind movies portray it. Your Left Behind movies, oh, I, I knew all this and now I'm going to... No, you look at this same passage and it says if you were given the truth and you didn't receive the truth, you're going to believe the lie and you will not trust in the Lord. But as we look at this, what I want you to understand is the Holy Spirit is not going to be gone in that time. Because if there's people getting saved and people preaching God's word, the Holy Spirit has to be around. What it means is, instead of him restraining any evil, he's going to let it all go. That means as bad as it is today, it could be a lot worse than what it is today. And it's by God's grace it isn't any worse. Think about that one for a little bit of time. He restrains evil. How about this letter? See the Holy Spirit. He convicts men. Man, every time I think about this one, it just, I just, I could just sit around and just, my mind be blown away at God and his goodness through it all. Literally, these trees are dead up here. There's nothing you can do. The, the, most, the only thing that grows on these trees on this platform is dust. That's it. Dust is all that grows on them. They're never going to get taller. I don't care if I try to water it. I don't care what I try. They're not growing. They're not going to grow. They're dead. We are dead. There is no life in us. And somehow, the Spirit can convict us. Just think about that one. I can't convict these trees into growing. They're not, it's not going to happen. But the Spirit of God takes a dead man and convicts a dead man. That's why if you think that you're the one who's needed to get people saved, you are so wrong because it's like you talking to a wall. You're not going to get that wall to do anything. He convicts, and the Scriptures tell us this. It tells us in John 16, verse 7, it says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And we keep on reading those verse. Verse 11 says the fact that of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. And when we think about the Lord, and we think about, and actually those verses should have been, we need to, take your Bibles, I want you to see all those verses. Verse 7 through 11 should have all been there. And knowing me, I put a comma there for Caitlin and not a dash. I, I'm, I probably did that myself. But John chapter 16 we look at verse number 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Look at verse 8. And when he is come, who? The Comforter, right? He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and ye see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. So as you look there, the word reprove means to bring to light. The Holy Spirit of God brings to light sin. Which in fact turns to conviction. 
Because this is the thing. The Word of God was preached to you at some point, or the Word of God was given to you. And when that happens, you all of a sudden see, wow, I'm not good. Hey, I can't earn my way to heaven. I must trust in Christ. You see, that's what the Spirit, He reproves us, and He brings us to that light, and that's what brings conviction. And when we think about conviction, there's things that play into it. And may I just say, conviction is a key part of salvation. I don't know if you realize that tonight. I remember a while back, and I've used the illustration often, a man in our church, and I'm, I believe in going soul winning, soul warning. I should, I'm going to change that. All of our stuff's going to say soul warning instead of soul winning. I'm a firm believer. I believe in witnessing and sharing my faith, and you should too, and I hope you do. You say, Pastor, I do. Then when's the last time you actually did it? Don't tell me you believe it if you don't do it. You should be doing it. But with that in mind, I remember that going out with this guy, and we were knocking on doors. Say, do you still knock on? I still do it. I still do. You say, what do people think? Some people don't like it, and some people really don't like it. And then there's others who might like it a little bit. It's very interesting every single time. But we were witnessing to this lady, and this guy that was with me, he got, he went all the way through, and she said that she was a Jehovah's Witness. And then he had a right to pray. And she didn't know what she was going to pray or what she was doing. And then he turns, not a smart thing. If you're going out soul warning with me, you, you better be careful because he's like, all right, pastor, why don't you pray with this lady and let's have her trust the Lord. And I said, so do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Co-equal with God? No. Why would I believe? That's not what my church teaches me. Like, we're not praying nothing. Because there was no conviction there. It's just like I've mentioned with my kids. You know, with each one of them, it's been, it's been there. It's, when they're ready to trust Christ, that's when it's, it always starts out. Are you a sinner? Nope. Matthew, for the longest time, did not think he was a sinner. I think he's the one that long, went the longest. Even his sister tells him, you are a sinner. You are a big sinner. Dad, he's a sinner and he needs to get saved. I'm like, he doesn't know he's a sinner, so he's not ready to get saved. There's got to be conviction. And we see conviction in three areas. Number one, we see in sin. There's a conviction in sin. And if you can't, if, if there's not conviction pointing out what is wrong with sin, you got no place else to go. Sin separated man from God. Jesus took our sin. Secondly, of righteousness. And when you think about righteousness, our righteousness leads us nowhere, doesn't it? It says filthy rags. Oh, but the righteousness of Christ makes everything good. And then, number three, of judgment. You think, you think about those three things. You think about sin. The fact that none of us could be perfect. The fact we think about righteousness, that our righteousness could never add up to what Christ has done for us. 
And then if you don't trust Christ, there's judgment coming. There's a lot of conviction. We see these three areas. The Holy Spirit convicts us in these things, and that's what he does. But you've got to understand something. Sin doesn't, it, it ends it. You have no hope of heaven. Righteousness, we can never fix it on our own. God's standard is too high for us to ever meet. And of judgment, there's only one that can save us from judgment. And all sin, righteousness, and judgment, the only answer you have is Jesus Christ. That's it. And we see that that's what the Spirit of God does. He convicts us. And praise God for that conviction. Aren't you thankful the Holy Spirit convicted you one day? should be and if you say i don't know if he convicted me then i would be praying he starts convicting you next one what are we at letter d the holy spirit points men to christ crucified and risen again tells us john 15 26 but when the comforter has come who i send unto you from the father the spirit of truth which proceeded from the father he testify of me that's what the spirit does he boasts about jesus he doesn't boast about himself and the gifts that he gives out or the gifts that you have he boasts about jesus acts 5 verse 30 through 32 the god of our fathers raised up jesus whom he slew and hanged on a tree him hath god exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to israel and forgiveness of sins and we are his witnesses of these things and so is also the holy ghost whom god hath given to them that obey him so see we have to do something to get no those who have done it god's way salvation that's what it's talking about there we see letter E. He invites men to receive Jesus Christ. Almost the end of the book. And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. Let him that heareth say, Come. Let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Aren't you grateful? That whosoever will can come? That includes you. You're a whosoever, right? Aren't you glad about that? We keep on looking next. Where are we at next? We look at um, number five. We look at the work of the Holy Spirit in relation to the believer. And before we go deep into that, I want to give you one last thought about our last point i was debating on going there or not but um if you take your bibles with me i want you to look at a verse real quick in matthew 12 this matthew chapter number 12 i want you just to see this in relation to you know what is blasphemy of the holy spirit i want you to see matthew 12 oh we got the verses up on the screen and so they're actually in your notes i put them there in case i was going to go there Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. But the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. And I hear people often, I am so worried about blasph- blaspheming the Holy Ghost. If you're a believer tonight, 
You cannot blaspheme the Holy Ghost. Say, well, how can someone blaspheme the Holy Ghost? What does the Holy Ghost come to convict men of? Of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. What is the... Think about this. So we see it's unforgivable. So if you die and leave this world and you stand before God, what is the, what is the one thing that will stop you from going to heaven? Not trusting Christ, right? For your salvation. Well, how do you trust Christ for salvation? The Spirit of God convicts you of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. The Spirit of God convicts you, He saves you, and He quickens you, makes you alive. So for someone to blaspheme the Holy Ghost, they must reject what the Holy Ghost is teaching, and they die without Christ. Literally, the only unforgivable sin is not trusting Christ. That's it. And the Bible talks about the fact that Jesus, it says it very clear too, that Jesus can forgive sin on earth. But after the death comes, it's done. And so the only, so if you say, Pastor, I don't want to blaspheme the Holy Ghost. If you are saved tonight, you're safe. Okay? I had someone I mentioned a while back. I don't remember when I mentioned it. Someone came to me a while back. They called me on the phone. Pastor! I just blasphemed the Holy Ghost, and I feel so bad. So breathe. Just breathe, first of all. Secondly, are you really convicted about it? Yeah. I don't think you blaspheme the Holy Ghost if you're feeling conviction. I think you'll be all right. Are you saved? Yes. Then you're okay. So that's, that's as simple as it goes with that. And maybe some need a little bit more explanation, but that's where we'll stop with that for tonight. Number five, we look at the Holy Spirit's work in relation to the believer. What does the Holy Spirit do in lives? Well, first of all, we look at what he's done in salvation and what he does. When we look at this, we see, number one, the fact that he regenerates. John chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 says, Jesus answered, Verily I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. The Bible tells us in Titus 3, verse number 5, and if you look at that second verse, that John 6, it's supposed to be John 6, 63, not 33. So just mark that there in your notes so you have that. But John 6.33 is an excellent verse too. Just not the verse I want for you tonight. 63 is the one we want there. And then Titus 3 verse 5 says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. In regards to our salvation, he regenerates us. Letter B, or number 2, he liberates us. He sets us free. The Bible tells us in Romans 8, verse number 2, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Man, isn't it much better to be under the law of the Spirit of life through Jesus than under the law of sin and death? He liberates us. He sets us free. Number three, with salvation, He indwells the believer. 
When you get saved, the Spirit of God indwells you. Romans 8, verse number 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And then 1 Corinthians 6, verse number 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. So in regards to salvation, he regenerates, he liberates, he indwells. Number four, he seals us. And I could spend probably, man, why is it that I can study for weeks for a message and a thought doesn't come to my mind? And then in the middle of giving you a lesson, the thought comes to mind, which could have helped me long ago to have that thought come in. Oh, Surrey was going to help me. I don't think Surrey could help me there. Now, how that happened, I don't know how that just happened. And you need not to talk to me. What are the odds of that happening right there? What I'm going to do is we're going to stop there. I'm going to take point number five, and I'm going to take a week for every single one. Regeneration. I'm going to take a week for um, each of these in regards to the way he does, how he liberates us, how he indwells us, how he seals us. Because even just talking about how he seals us in the day of redemption, if you ever have a doubt about your salvation, just going through verses about what that so what we're going to do is we're going to stop there, and I'm going to break the Holy Spirit down way deeper now. And we're going to take point number five. This is what I'm going to do. You have your notes there? I'm going to give you all the blanks so your notes are complete, but then I'm going to go to number five, and we're going to go through each one of these at, for the next several weeks. So we're going to do that. And so let me give you these real quick, and then we'll be on our way. So he regenerates, he liberates, he indwells, he seals. Number five, he assures and then number, or letter B, when it comes to our labor, our Christian labor, he, number one, he fills and he empowers. He fills and empowers. I won't go too fast because some of you write slow. Number two, he calls and commissions. And in regards to our labor, number three, he guides. And then when it comes to the he illumin or in our lives, that's the letter C, sorry. Don't want to jump ahead of you. In our lives, what does the Holy Spirit do in our lives? Number one, he illuminates. He brings things to light. And we'll go deeper into that. Number two, he comforts. Number three, he intercedes. Number four, he produces Christ-likeness. And so your notes should be complete there, but what we're going to do is we're going to break down each one of those over the next several weeks and go deeper. I don't, think, I don't think churches do enough today talking about the Holy Spirit and what he does in our lives. 
I think some get kind of scared that, you know, they might get a little too Pentecostal thinking and things like that. But the problem is those that get scared to talk about the Holy Spirit are missing out on preaching about the third member of the Godhead. And, in fact, he lives inside of you. You ever have a, you ever have, for me, I love, anybody like tools? I like tools. Anybody like tools? A few of you like tools. I like tools. And sometimes you find out, and my dad, my dad likes tools. That's where I got my love for tools. It's amazing. He had all, he had all sorts of tools that I don't even have a clue what a lot of them are. I remember one day I'm underneath my car, and, the, and this was back when I changed my own oil. People don't change their oil too much anymore because it's cheaper to get it done in all reality. Back then it wasn't. It was a different story. But I'm under my car, and I can't get this oil filter off. And I've got the car jacked up a little bit, and I'm twisting, and I'm doing everything. And I'm moving, but the oil filter is not moving. And my, I hear my dad in the garage there, and he still does this. He might not do a lot of the fixing of things now at 81, but he still has that dumb la- I mean, that wonderful laugh of his. And he's just there, <laughs> like, yeah, he knows. And so I'm struggling, and about 10 minutes later, he's like, I have a tool that will help you. You could have told me 10 minutes ago. And then it was this big, and it was this big wrench thing that fits around an oil filter. Who knew? I saw that big thing, but I didn't know what it was for. I thought it was some dumb tool that he had. It's amazing. I put it on there. came right off. When you know what a tool does, it helps you out a little bit. So maybe by breaking down how the Holy Spirit works in our lives a little bit better, you'll know how to use him more in your life.